Welcome to Season 1, Episode 3 of Elemental Health, the podcast where we explore the fascinating world of holistic well-being. I am your host, Dr. Michael Murray. I'm both a chiropractor, and I've been in practice for over 18 years, as well as a certified massage therapist. For those of you listening around the globe, we are located in Los Angeles, California. Today's podcast is titled Therapeutic Cupping Demystified. Join us as we uncover the origin, mechanisms, benefits, contraindications, and possible complications of this powerful healing technique. I'm very excited to share this all with you today, so let's get started. We can thank Michael Phelps for the fact that you already have at least a basic understanding of what cupping is, and you've likely already seen someone with the telltale marks that are left after a cupping therapy session. Phelps was the Olympic swimmer that competed in the 2016 Games in Rio. He was one of the first public figures that was very open about his use and belief in cupping as part of his health therapy. During interviews, he openly discussed cupping, which generated a lot of curiosity. His use of cupping therapy brought its potential benefits to other athletes as well as all the people watching the games. Many people, inspired by Phelps' success, started exploring cupping as a potential tool for enhancing their performance, relieving muscle soreness, and promoting overall well-being. Phelps' impact on the world of cupping can't be understated. By openly sharing his experience, as well as displaying the cupping marks to the world stage, he demystified the therapy and sparked a global conversation. As a result, cupping gained mainstream recognition and acceptance. That led to increased interest from both athletes and non-athletes alike, people that were looking for alternative approaches to health and healing. Okay, let's move on now from Olympics and let's talk about the five different cupping techniques. The first method is called dry cupping. It's the most common form of cupping and involves placing cups of varying sizes on the skin and then creating a vacuum with a hand pump. The second type of cupping is called fire cupping, which is often associated with traditional Chinese medicine. It involves using a flame to create the vacuum inside the glass before it is placed on the skin. The flame heats the air inside the cup, and then the warm air creates suction as it cools and the air inside contracts. A third variation of cupping is called dynamic cupping. 
otherwise known as massage cupping. This technique combines both cupping and massage. The therapist applies oil to the skin and then places the cups. The cups are then moved around in a gliding motion. This combination of suction and movement helps release tight muscles and fascia, providing a deep tissue massage experience. Depending on the experience of the person receiving the cupping, the cups can also be slightly pulled away from the body and more speed can be used with the gliding. This will pull the layer of connective tissue called fascia that holds the skin to the muscle layer. This fascia can have adhesions where the skin, fascia, and the underlying areas get stuck. By gently pulling as you rub over an area with the cups, these adhesions can be broken up. This method is also great for breaking up stubborn muscle spasms. The fourth kind is called silicone cupping. These are the kind I use for the dynamic or massage cupping. Instead of being made of glass or plastic, these are made of soft, flexible silicone. These are much easier to be able to control the amount of suction that is applied. These can be used like static cups as well, where you just put them on there like regular cups and not move them around. The reason you may want to use the silicone cups is that they can be put on very lightly and are great for someone that is sensitive to stronger suctions or someone that has fragile skin. The fifth and final method we will talk about today is wet cupping. This is also known in traditional Chinese medicine as hijama. It is almost the same as dry cupping, but there's one additional step. After the cups are removed, a small incision is made in the center of the mark. The cups are then reapplied and suction is once again added to draw out a little bit of blood. It is believed that this helps remove toxins from the body and also improves circulation. Wet cupping should be done by someone who really knows what they're doing and has performed many of this type of cupping before. Since this involves breaking of the skin, it is essential that the practitioner is using sterile technique. There is always a risk of infection. So what actually happens during a cupping session? When the cups are applied to the skin, the suction created helps increase blood circulation to that area. This brings fresh oxygen and nutrients to the tissue. It removes toxins and metabolic waste products. The cups can be left in place for only a few minutes or moved around the body. The suction created by the cups loosens and lifts the fascia. That's the connective tissue that surrounds muscles and connects everything to everything else in the body. It also stimulates the lymphatic system, which plays a crucial role in the immune function and detoxification of the blood. This can help reduce inflammation, relieve muscle tension, and promote healing. So what are the benefits of cupping? Well, first and foremost, it can help alleviate pain and tension in the muscles. I've actually seen this myself. Many athletes suffering from chronic pain find cupping to be a valuable addition to their training routine. Cupping also promotes relaxation and reduces stress as it stimulates the parasympathetic nervous system, which is responsible for the body's rest and digestive response. It's for this reason it has been used to treat digestive disorders. Cupping has also been known to boost the immune system and enhance detoxification, making it an excellent choice for those looking to support their overall health. Cupping therapy, in any form, is generally considered safe and not nearly as painful as it looks. 
The cups do cause temporary skin discoloration or bruising. These are called cupping marks. The marks are usually fading away within a couple of days and are not at all harmful. In very rare cases, cupping can cause uncontrolled bleeding in the area just under the cups. This is more likely to occur if too much suction was used, aggressive techniques were used, if the cups were left on longer than they should have been, or if the person has a bleeding disorder or is taking blood thinning medications. It is because of this that people with pre-existing conditions should inform their cupping therapist about their medical history and let them know about any medications they may be taking. If administered by a well-trained therapist, cupping therapy can provide incredible benefits. However, it is essential to take care of yourself after the treatment. That's to ensure that you get the results you're looking for and a comfortable healing process. So let's go ahead and jump right in to our aftercare tips. Well, the first thing you want to do is drink plenty of water. Hydration is crucial as cupping therapy promotes blood circulation and the release of toxins. Water helps flush out these toxins from your system, leaving you feeling refreshed and revitalized. It's the same reason that you're often told to drink plenty of water after a massage. Muscle work also releases toxins into your system. Next, it's important to avoid exposing the cupping marks to excessive heat or extreme temperatures. This means staying away from hot showers, saunas, or sunbathing immediately after a session. Heat can cause increased inflammation and prolong the healing process. Use lukewarm showers instead to give your body time to recover. I will also mention that I have a friend that will go sit in a very hot natural mineral springs and spend two hours there immediately after a very aggressive dynamic and static cupping session. I do caution against trying this for yourself. The person I'm talking about has been receiving cupping sessions very regularly for many years. She made the judgment call that a hot mineral spring would help the healing process, and it did. Her cupping marks would be gone in about half the time than they would be on days that she didn't go to the hot springs. I can't stress enough that this may be the exception that proves the rule. As a general rule, heat of any kind does aggravate inflammation, and cupping marks may or may not be inflamed for a while after a treatment session. Another complication about going to a natural hot springs is that some people have a skin reaction to the diluted sulfur that's in the water. This shows up as a very itchy and burning red rash on parts of the body that were in the water. Believe it or not, this is actually so common it has a medical name. It's called Hot Springs Dermatitis. And believe me, I know, because I suffer from Hot Springs Dermatitis myself. It's mild. It's not enough to keep me from going to the hot springs. But some people aren't as lucky as myself. Some people may be so sensitive that they will experience very painful swollen lesions as long as 48 hours after their exposure. So if you're the type of person where heat aggravates more than the minerals soothe and your skin is very sensitive to the dissolved sulfurs, then it may end up just being a very bad day for you at the hot springs. That said, let's get back to what you can do as part of your aftercare routine. 
Gentle movement and light stretching can also help in the recovery process. Light exercise or activities such as walking or yoga help improve blood flow and prevent muscle stiffness. Just don't overexert yourself or strain the areas where the cupping was performed. Cupping therapy can leave temporary marks on your skin. This can range anywhere from redness to a darker, almost like bruises. These marks typically fade within a few days and at most a week. However, you can speed up this process a little by applying a soothing, natural moisturizer to the affected areas. Aloe vera gel or a gentle fragrance-free lotion can work miracles. If you experience any discomfort or soreness after the treatment, you can use a cold or warm compress to provide relief. A cold compress can reduce inflammation, while a warm compress will ease muscle tension. Listen to your body and choose the temperature that feels most soothing for you. And lastly, it's essential to communicate with your cupping therapist if you have any questions or concerns regarding the healing process. They can provide personalized guidance and address any specific aftercare needs based on your sessions. Remember, your therapist is there to support you on your healing journey. To summarize, the key aftercare tips following a cupping session include staying hydrated, avoiding excessive heat, engaging in gentle movement, moisturizing the skin, using compresses for comfort, and maintaining an open line of communication with your therapist. Remember, taking care of yourself post-treatment is just as important as the treatment itself. Okay, so you've decided to go ahead and try cupping therapy. Should you select a trained professional? Maybe you should select someone from the internet that has had ad running for months? Or should you go buy a cupping set from the internet and use that long rubber hose that comes with it to perform the treatment on yourself? Okay, let me warn you right away that someone who has not been trained can cause a lot of damage if the cups are pumped up too high or left on too long or even a combination of both. The skin under the cups can blister, peel, and potentially become infected. The certification or licensing requirements to be able to include cupping therapy can vary depending on the county, state, or region where they plan to practice. It is important to understand that specific rules and regulations that apply to your location. For example, where I'm from, in California, people that wish to offer cupping must hold a diploma in massage therapy that includes anatomy, physiology, and pathology, or an equivalent or higher degree. In some areas, cupping therapy may be regulated as part of a broader healthcare profession, such as traditional Chinese medicine, chiropractic, acupuncture, or massage therapy. In such cases, you may need to go to a healthcare provider that has the necessary certification or license to practice those professions, which would include cupping therapy as one of the modalities that they offer. Not to mention that the above professions will all carry malpractice insurance in the unlikely event that you may be injured. When it comes to training, cupping therapists generally take comprehensive educational programming to develop their expertise. These programs vary in length, content, and requirements, but they generally cover a range of essential aspects. 
let's discuss some key elements you might find in a cupping therapy training program. First, a solid foundation in anatomy and physiology is crucial for any cupping therapist. Understanding the human body's structure, the musculoskeletal system, and how the various organs interact is vital. This knowledge helps cupping therapists assess the client's condition accurately and customize any treatment plans effectively. They learn about the five different types of cupping techniques, such as dry cupping, fire cupping, dynamic or massage cupping, silicone cupping, and wet cupping. They explore the historical context of cupping, the underlying philosophy, and its integration with other modalities such as acupuncture or massage therapy. Then they move on to the practical training. This hands-on experience is crucial for developing the skills required to perform cupping therapy safely and effectively. Students learn how to select the appropriate cups, handle the various types of cupping equipment, apply the cups to different body areas, and the cleaning of the cups afterwards. Students will also learn to recognize the contraindications, which are situations where cupping should be avoided, such as on an open wound, sunburns, or on people with certain medical conditions. They also learn how to evaluate the client's individual needs and develop treatment plans accordingly. Another crucial component of cupping therapy training is building a strong ethical foundation. Students explore professional boundaries, confidentiality, and informed consent. They learn to create a safe and supportive environment for their clients, fostering both trust and facilitating the healing process. It's worth mentioning that cupping therapy training doesn't end with a single program or certification. Like any healthcare profession, cupping therapists are encouraged to engage in continuing education to expand their knowledge and refine their skills. They may attend workshops, conferences, and seminars to stay up to date with the latest trends. And this brings us to the end of this week's episode of Elemental Health. Cupping therapy holds incredible potential for restoring balance and promoting overall well-being. As we've explored cupping, we've discovered its ability to enhance blood circulation, alleviate muscle tension, and stimulate the body's natural healing mechanisms. By creating a vacuum within specifically designed cups, Cupping therapy generally encourages the release of toxins, leaving you feeling rejuvenated and revitalized. So go forth and explore the wonders of cupping therapy as you embark on your journey towards holistic health and inner harmony. Be sure to join us next Friday as we demystify the energy healing of Reiki. Until next time, be well and stay curious. If you have any topics you'd like me to cover in future episodes, or if you have any questions about today's episode, feel free to reach out to me through our website, that's mcmelementalhealth.com, or our social media outlets on both Facebook and Instagram. There are links to our social media pages at the bottom of every page on our website. 
This episode of Elemental Health was brought to you by MCM Elemental Health, therapeutic care that transcends. Make sure you visit our website at mcmelementalhealth.com for more information on a variety of alternative healthcare topics.